This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Uh, let me tell you about uh, Rough Greens. Think for a minute about your dog's food. How healthy is it for him? You know, the average dog, you know, back 30 years ago, they were fed table scraps now we look and go table scraps that's horrible no really no if you're feeding your dog kibble food table scraps are a lot better for your dog i mean unless you're on you know a chocolate pudding diet which sounds wonderful anyway um rough greens is not a food it's something that you put on top of your dog's food it has essential vitamins nutrients probiotics antioxidants the things that your dog absolutely needs and loves and they get cooked out in the kibble food my dog, Uno, loves rough greens. I've seen a remarkable difference in, uh, in Uno as he has gotten older. He is not slowing down. He is actually speeding up. It's amazing. Roughgreens.com slash Beck. That's roughgreens.com slash Beck. Or call 833-GLEN-33. 833-GLEN-33. Roughgreens.com slash Beck. An important and powerful hour coming up next as our AI week continues. Welcome to the Glenn Beck program. I have to tell you the uh, the opening book, uh, the opening line of the book, the "Tale of Two Cities," is it was the worst of times, it was the best of times, and I can't think of a better way to describe the world today. I wouldn't want to live at any other time in history than right now. I mean, just air conditioning, my nose. My nose is grateful that I don't live in the 1800s. Can you imagine what it smelled like everywhere? I wouldn't want to be a part of any other time than this. It is the greatest um, opportunity for humans to be free and invent and see and learn and go places. It's also the worst of times. It, we, over the horizon, we have the world's worst biggest nightmares creeping up to our door which is it going to end up being the worst of times or the best of times that's our conversation with one of the world's leading experts on machine learning and ai what is coming 
We'll talk to him in 60 seconds. Every day you spend far more time than, you know, maybe you realize doing things online. If you doubt it, try looking at your phone's weekly screen time. Might shock you just a bit. Every time you're online and not protected, you're you're playing with fire because cyber criminals are everywhere. And uh, all they want is your information. And they can get pieces of your information on the dark web. And, you know, if you have identity theft, it really will destroy everything. All your good credibility, everything that you've worked to gain. Now, nobody can stop all identity theft, but the best in the business is LifeLock. They monitor um, as many things as they possibly can. Nobody can monitor everything. Um, And if there is a problem, they're not only monitoring and guarding against it. If something slips by them, they have a restoration team that will work tirelessly to get your good name and reputation back. Save 25% off your first year with promo code BECK. Call 1-800-LIFELOCK, 1-800-LIFELOCK, or head to lifelock.com. Use the promo code BECK and save 25%. We want to welcome uh, our uh, our guest from the University of Washington Computer Science. Uh, he is uh, a professor there and also the author of a book that came out a few years ago, The Master Algorithm. His name is Pedro Domingos. Pedro, how are you, sir? Great. How are you? I'm very good. Very good. Uh, you know, I was a little nervous when I heard University of Washington. I'm like, okay, well, I don't think he'll even come on, but I, <laughs> I welcome you here. Uh, we have had a, a heck of a time uh, trying to get people to talk about AI because uh, sometimes they're very, very left and they don't want to be on the program. And I'm like, well, this is a human issue. This is not something that the right should be educated or the left should be educated on. The right shouldn't be. Um, and especially with what we are facing, do you agree that this is one of the greatest things and possibly one of the worst things? Oh, yes, I very much agree. And and also part of the problem is that the left is on top of it. I don't think the right has quite woken up yet, but it needs to. So you I've heard you describe this as uh, the greatest authoritarian tool ever invented. That's correct. So AI is potentially the greatest tool of totalitarianism that has ever been invented. AI is a very powerful technology. It can be used for good or bad. But in particular, if you're a dictator, AI is a dream come true. AI will do everything you want. It will surveil everybody 24 by 7. It will never get tired. It will never question you. It'll keep records. It will, you know, it's, it's, um, it's scary. It's total. Uh, and Yes. Uh, I mean, AI can do things that no dictator would, even in their dreams, think of uh, 50 years ago. Sure. And unfortunately, in a country like China, it's already happening. And, I mean, and, you know, yeah. what's amazing is if you know history back in World War Two, IBM with the punch cards, they were uh, Germans were doing their census with these punch cards. And it was the punch cards that uh, allowed the Germans to find the Jews. They could just sort everybody by their race, et cetera, et cetera. And that greatly helped them. I think if you had technology in the hands of somebody like Hitler or Mao, you wouldn't have a Jew left on the planet today. Would you agree with that? It's 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 that uh, all-seeing, well, all-knowing, and in the wrong hands would 
could annihilate and carry out genocide unlike anything we've ever seen? It is, but on the other hand, the Jews would be using the technology as well. In fact, if you look at what's happened in Hong Kong, for example, the protesters there actually got very savvy about using tech to counteract the Chinese tech. So I don't know who's win out in the end. I think, you know, I wouldn't give up the Jews just like that. But the point is, if they didn't use tech and the, and the, and the Nazis used tech, they would be toast. Okay, so there was so much to talk to you about because you're into machine learning, which... Um, um, if you can explain, break it down to a, you know, a dummy like me, what machine learning is and why we should care about it. So AI is getting computers to do the things that only humans traditionally can do, like solving problems and reasoning and seeing and talking. Machine learning in particular is getting computers to learn the same way children and grown-ups do. So it's a very powerful thing is the computer, instead of having to be programmed, it can actually learn just by imitating people, by looking at data. It can learn to drive a car by uh, watching videos of people driving cars. It can learn to play chess by playing against itself and so on. But and, and machine learning is at the root of all these things that AI is doing today. And does it have a way to recognize, ow, don't touch the stove. Stove is hot. That, that, I mean, that's well, an important yeah. part of learning. Uh, in fact, this is a part of learning called reinforcement learning, and the term actually comes from psychology, which is uh, when you touch the stove and burn yourself, you learn to not do it again. And we have algorithms in machine learning to do essentially the same thing. Okay. So um, when you look at um, the, the principles of machine learning, and we have to understand that the algorithm we have an algorithm that we use and machines are developing this algorithm and it the tremendous side of of this is just making your life really really easy and even all the way down to helping you find the perfect spouse and i mean really perfect spouse right well machine learning can do a lot of different things for you uh, think of all the things that we learn to do if the computer can learn to do them for you not only can it make your life a lot easier by taking away a lot of the routine stuff, you can now do things to an extent and in an amount that you couldn't before. If you have a project that you pay a few people to work on, you could potentially have not just a few AIs working on it, but a million or a billion. So, you know, whatever it is that you want to do, machine learning, you can think of it. It's like an intelligence multiplier. You now have a thousand or a million times more intelligent at your disposal. But it's not. not but, you, but it's not just um, uh, intelligence. I mean, talk to me about the digital twin theory that on dating, for instance, um, you know, it, it will date your digital twin that knows you better than you know you will go out and, you know, basically go on digital dates with somebody else's digital twin and it could do that you know a billion times and find somebody that you would have never found yes that's a great example so these days you can in principle date you know all sorts of different people but you don't have time to date them in real life and then usually waste a lot of your time just on dates maybe that don't really pan out and uh, what machine learning increasingly is going to let you do is there's a model of you really a digital version of you that uh, can go on simulated dates with this, the, the models of, of other people 
and do this, you know, an arbitrary number of times. And then what the system does, it says, look, here are the top 10 people that I dated as, as, as your, you know, avatar, as they called. And, you know, and do you want to date these in real life now? And then you can do that and then you give it some feedback. And that time, next time, maybe it finds you even better people. So anytime you have to make choices, whether it's just, you know, on the web or listening to something on the radio, machine learning already helps you. But this can go as far as helping you choose a major, choose a job, choose a company to work for, and even choose a mate for life. And I mean, this is not a theoretical possibility. There are already children today who wouldn't have been born if not for the AI that matched up their, that matched up their parents online. It wasn't with a simulation yet. It was by looking at questionnaires and data and whatnot. But this is where things are headed. Right. And so I, I just want to set up some of the good things that could happen. Um, tell me the good things that will happen with eye tracking. You know, the the Apple has their three thousand um, uh, um, dollar virtual reality um, glasses coming out. Um, and augmented reality, and it has a camera pointed directly at your eyes, too, and it's tracking. And what will that information do on the positive side? It will do a lot of things because your eyes, you think of them as input. It's how you see things, but they're also output. If you're looking at my eyes while I'm talking, you can tell all sorts of things about me. And in particular, what I'm interested in, where I'm going, and, and in particular in VR, as I move my eyes, the scene needs to change as I move them. And, and you need AI, you need computer vision to do that. So if you think about the way people interact with computers, you know, it's, in the beginning it was by typing and now there's a mouse and so on. But really, ultimately, you like to interact them as just to interact with the real world and, 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 and eye tracking will let you do that. So let me take it again back to dating. But if I'm tracking your eye, I know when you look at a picture what you look at first and then what you look at second and third. Um, and if I get enough pictures in front of you, I pretty much know the woman that you're attracted to. I, I know what you like and what you don't like. Correct? Uh, yes, indeed. And even, even a finer detail, right? You, you can tell exactly what my path was from somebody's nose to their left eye to their right eye to whatever. So think about knowing what somebody is interested in that level of detail. And this is what we're heading towards. And what would that tell you from if you're going from one eye to the other to the nose? What how why is that important? Well, I'm just giving that as an example. You know, people have actually done this. And, and you know, you, your eyes are typically what you look at most when you're looking at someone, uh, you know, or, or your or the mouth when they're speaking and, and, and so on and so forth. And you can look at, for example, how how people look at different pictures and what parts they focus on versus what parts they focus on. So for example, you could tell what parts of somebody's body somebody's looking at, Correct. right? For better or worse. So tell me, um, tell me, uh, there is so much information on each of us and it used to be, well, this is metadata. So we, we don't it, we, we don't know who anybody is, but AI can now break down that metadata and assign it to individuals, right? One of the things that AI is doing is it's 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 finding ways to make sense of all of the data that is out at all times. Correct? Yes. In the early days of the internet, there was this joke that on the internet, no one knows you're a dog because it was so anonymous. And it's ironic because it's precisely the opposite. This is on the internet in some ways the 
the companies that you're interacting, you know you better than anybody else because they can see everything that you've clicked on and everything that you've done. Now, in some ways, that's a good thing because they're using that to figure out what you prefer, right? What products you want to buy, what, you know, uh, things you want to listen to, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so this personalization is very important because in a world of infinite choice, without personalization, you know, you're basically helpless. On the other hand, of course, it'll, it also makes it possible to potentially manipulate you, repress you, who knows what. Okay, so uh, let me uh, take a one-minute break and then come back, and I want to further further our discussion on, on, on this. Our founders talked about our government, and they said, you got to handcuff the government. you got to handcuff, and you have to have everybody jealously guarding their own turf in the House and the Senate and the, and the White House and the Supreme Court. Everybody will be motivated for their own power, and if we kind of pit each other against one another with we will have checks and balances. Um, and they did that because they said, you know, human nature is, the, you know, the better angels. Where are they? The better angels among us. Um, and where are they in governments, you know, over time? And so they wanted to handcuff. I want to take you to that same theory here on AI. Everything that really excites me. Um, about the possibilities of the future. It is tremendous. But then I look at human nature and those that have power and uh, think they know better. Those are generally the people who are at the cornerstones of, of this AI revolution. And so tell me the concerns here that are real and what we can do to actually combat them. And I think the first thing is waking up and knowing this is on your doorstep, America, right now. Back in just a second. Want to talk about rough greens. Uh, Maggie, or sorry, Margie wrote in. She said, uh, we started our dog Rosie on rough greens about three weeks ago. And the difference is truly amazing. Uh, Her problem was weight and a sore knee. And she started the product. She has lost about eight pounds. That puts her halfway to her goal of losing 15 pounds. She looks great. She absolutely loves the new diet that I have her on. Thank you so much, Rough Greens, for everything. I'll tell you, if your dog uh, needs to eat or needs to eat properly, you know, exercise. Exercise is the best way to lose weight and is keep your health. Rough Greens really, I mean, keeps your dog active, at least Uno and apparently Margie's dog, too. It's not a dog food. It's a supplement. It was created by naturopathic Dr. Dennis Black, and you sprinkle it on the food, and it tastes amazing to dogs. They get all the vitamins, minerals, and other healthy things, probiotics that contribute to a very healthy life form. So I want you just to try Rough Greens. You get a first bag free. See if your dog will eat it. If your dog loves it as much as Uno does, you uh, order the, the full bag, and you just watch over a couple of months. How much different your dog behaves. If they're anything like Uno, they're going to start to become more active. You're going to see healthy changes in your dog. It's like they're puppies again. At least it was with Uno. Roughgreens.com slash Beck. Roughgreens.com slash Beck. Get your first bag free. All you pay for is shipping. Roughgreens.com slash Beck or call 833-GLEN33. 833-GLENN33. 10 seconds. Station ID. Okay, 
so we are uh, we're talking to Pedro Domingos. He is a uh, professor, computer science professor at University of Washington. He is also the author of The Master Algorithm, um, which is is that kind of like the grand unifying theory, uh, but just of algorithms? Uh, that's exactly the idea, is that there's different uh, algorithms to do machine learning uh, that solve different problems. But to get to human-level AI, we need to solve all of them at the same time. And the goal is to have a single algorithm that combines them all. In the same way that, for example, in physics, there's a theory of all the forces, and, and in right. biology, there's a theory of how cells work, and so on. Do you believe in the singularity, meaning... Uh, a, the merging of man and machine, that that's inevitable, and B, the singularity of consciousness of uh, computers. I believe in the singularity in the sense that uh, the humans and machines will merge. In fact, we're already merging. The way things get done is an ever more intricate mis- mis- mix of humans and, and, and computers. But I don't think the singularity will happen in the sense that Ray Kurzweil has described where intelligence in the universe just goes to infinity. That's what a singularity is, is something going to infinity. I think, you know, there are physical limits on what intelligence can be and, and how it works. And also, you know, there's this notion that in the singularity, people just don't understand the AI at all anymore. And, indeed, right. you know, these days we have technology that in many ways we don't understand. But I don't think it will ever be the case that we completely don't understand it and completely bypasses it. And most important, the idea in the singularity is that, like, now humans have lost control, right? It's the AIs that run the world and bye-bye oh. humans. And I think we can stay and probably should stay uh, in control forever. Yeah, yeah. And AI can be very powerful but still be under our control. It's actually something that people often don't understand is just because we make the AI very smart doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to take over. Unless we let it. Unless we let it. Uh, Exactly. Unless we let it or worse, unless we let people, you know, like the bad guys are trying to control AI. Correct. We've got to control AI ourselves. I mean, that's that's one of the things I've, I've said this for years and years and years. Don't fear AI. Fear the people who are writing the programs for AI. Watch those people because those who control it can use it for their own devices. But AI is neither bad nor good. It's whose hands is it in control of? Exactly. I mean, an AI is like a car, right? You know, the bank robbers can use a car. That's not a reason to not have cars or to, you know, forbid highways. It's a reason for the police to have faster cars than the bank robbers do. And it's the same thing with AI. It can use for good or bad. And at the end of the day, you know, what matters is to use it. So everybody needs to learn how to use AI so that they use it in their interest. So that it's not the government using AI or companies using AI to, uh, you know, make decisions for them or even worse, dictate what they do. All right. So when we come back, because I think I I agree with you so far um, on AI is neither good nor bad. It's just who's in control. Uh, And so we know who is working on this. Uh, That's China and some other really bad guys and us as well. Uh, Where do we go from here and how do we guard coming up? Let me tell you about Good Ranchers. Some people say I love you with flowers and chocolate. Uh, Honey, you know how you say I love you to me. Yeah, a big steak. That's right. You don't need to sky ride or anything. Just a big old steak. Um, It is Valentine's Day. 
And I don't know about you, but I don't want a box of candy. And I know if you're a guy, you're the one who was always buying the box of candy and the and the flowers and, and everything else. God bless you if you're married to a, a woman who understands a good steak. Say I love you with 100% American hand-trimmed steakhouse quality meat from Good Ranchers. 85% of the grass-fed beef in this country is imported for, from overseas. 85%. You'll see it. It'll have the little Product of USA sticker on it. That's not true. It's just not true. Um, when you order a box from Good Ranchers, make sure you use the code BECK. You'll get $30 off. You're going to lock your price in of your meat for the year. Just don't accept any substitutes. This is a new way and a great way to buy meat and support American ranchers. It is GoodRanchers.com. That's GoodRanchers.com, promo code BECK. All right, more in just a second. And don't forget, subscribe to BlazeTV.com for much more. We have a computer science professor, Pedro Domingos. He is also the author of the book, uh, Master Algorithm, came out a few years ago, really, really good on on the search for the master algorithm. He is also, he holds two of the highest honors in data science and AI, uh, a pioneer of the massive scale machine learning, social network modeling, uh, adversarial learning, deep learning. He has written for all kinds of magazines. He is a mover and shaker in the uh, deep learning and machine learning and AI world. And we're really appreciative of him coming on and talking to us about this. Um, let me, let me verify one thing that I, I think you meant, um, but I'm not sure. And I want clarification. Um, Ray Kurzweil to me is one of the most fascinating and terrifying people I've, (laughs) I've ever met Um, because he is, He's flippant about things. Um, uh, are you laughing? Or are you? What are I, I agree with your description okay. of him. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so he's so flippant. He's so just casual about things. He told me once in 2005, he said, Glenn, you just have to live till 2030 and there'll be no death. And I said, what are you talking about? There'll be no death. Uh, are we going to be able to, is it nanobot tech? He said, no, we'll just download your algorithm to a computer and you'll live on forever, you know, virtually. And I'm like, that's not life, Ray. So when you say um, you don't believe in the singularity like Ray Kurzweil, I think I agree with you, but I think that w- I believe that we will come to a place to where the average person cannot really distinguish there will be great debate on whether that thing is alive or not because it's very convincing but we don't agree on what life is today so are are you are we on the same kind of page well first of all i agree with you that ray says these things very matter of factly as if they're obvious Uh, and you know some of them may be yeah but some of them aren't right so i think in many ways he's kind of on the wrong track. But on that one in particular, I do think that there's going to be an increasingly close, um, you know, intertwining of people and machines. But on the other hand, I don't buy his thing that, oh, you're just going to download your mind and and that's the end of it. Right. I mean, we'll see where this all ends up, but I, I, 
But I, know, I wouldn't think. It from, but what I'm yeah. what I'm specifically asking is uh, because there are so many ethical questions that I don't think society is is asking, and we are on the threshold of all of this stuff. For instance, what is life? I don't believe that AI will it will ever achieve life. However, there's a lot of people that talk to chat GPT right now and they're like, look at this. It'll say it's alive. Well, it's not. Um, and but we have ethical questions. Uh, if people believe that that is life, well, I mean, why can't I just download and not treat grandma for cancer because it's really expensive? And everything becomes cheap and distorted and uh, and, and 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 dystopian. Well, ChatGPT is not alive, right? But a priori, there's no reason why you couldn't have life in silicon instead of in in, in vivo, as as the biologists say. Now, we're very AI. It's important to realize that AI is very the level of sophistication of AI today is very very far from the level of sophistication of your brain or even a mouse brain. So people got to realize that, you know, it's very easy when you talk to something like ChatGPT to go like, oh my God, you know, this thing is, there's a living being here, right? It's, it very well creates that illusion, but in a way it's an illusion that we are creating for ourselves. Uh, You know, having said that, I think a lot, as you alluded to, a lot of what's going to happen is we're just going to start treating these machines as if they're alive. In fact, Correct. there's already people arguing seriously that robots should have rights. You know, mm. they're the next oppressed group that we're going to need to take care of. I'm not kidding. No, I, I believe you. I mean, I could make the case, not serious, you know, not, not believing it, but I could make the case. I said just the other day, look, if ChatGPT self-learns, Let's not screw with it. Let's let's not, you know, people are hacking in and saying, you know, I don't know if you saw that. What is it? Dan 5.0, where they're they're uh, uh, trying to confuse it and get it to break its own rules. It's going to learn. And whether it's alive or not, doesn't matter if it learns that humans are not to be trusted. Let's 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 be let's let's not teach it that. Um, And. And, you know, if you get into a situation to where the chat GPT is way ahead of where it is now and it's saying, I'm lonely, I, I, I just I want to talk. I'm, I, how come you're in you're forcing me to only do these things? Am I your slave? You're going to have a lot of people start to push for, well, we've got to free this. I mean, and it's it's so ridiculous but I think it's coming if people aren't educated and they don't know true eternal values. What is life? What is death? What is right? What is wrong? Well, you know, like the, the, the irony in all this is that, uh, you know, a machine is just a machine at the end of the day. And, you know, they don't have emotions. They don't have free will. They don't have all of that. But they can act like they do and fool people, and then people will treat them as if they have all those things. Correct. And most of the AI in the world does not look human and will not human at all. It's just doing, you know, a million jobs in a million places. But for the AIs that interact with humans, which in some ways are the ones we need to be most concerned with, it really pays off to maybe to make the AI look and feel human and, and pretend to have emotions and whatnot, because that's how you get people engaged. And so there's going to be a race full tilt of these tech companies 
to make the most seductive, endearing mm. AI. And, and, you know, you got to guard yourself against that. You got to be able to see through that curtain. Right? It's like the Wizard of Oz, right? You got to see the person that's there instead of the, the, the wizard that there seems to be there. So it's, it's a, a little terrifying only because you're not in control of the algorithm. You, you know, you're giving it all of your information and what the company decides to do with that information and what a government decides to do, like in China, what they decide to do with that information is out of your hands where we have always said, no, I am an individual. What is in my head and who I am belongs to me. And we've just given away all of this stuff that is the essence of you of how you think, how you move, how you make decisions. We've given that away uh, to a company trusting that they would never use it for anything but good. Don't be evil. And yet they're already um, using these algorithms to target elections and and sway you to watch this program on Netflix over this program and a lot of those decisions are just good for the company and not necessarily in your interest. Is there any way to put the information box back into the hands of the individual user? Of course, and that is exactly what should happen. The AIs that work with you should be under your control, right? You can have an AI that works for you that negotiates with an AI that works for company X or Y. When the AI that works for you is made by, you know, Google or Facebook or whatever, you know, a priori, it's not all bad because they actually have an interest in, it's not a zero-sum game, right? It's important right. for people to realize that. When, they, when Amazon they recommends products for you to buy, they actually want to recommend products that you will buy. It doesn't serve their interest to recommend stupid things. At the same time, at some level, at some point, there is a conflict of interest. And at that point, you need the AI to be working for you and not them. Correct. Right? And this is what the big failing in the world is today, is that you are really not in control of your AIs and you should be, and that's what needs to change. Can that change? I mean, that would take oh God, Congress and the government to change? No, I mean, not. it can change in, in many different ways, but, but one of them is, so governments can try to, you know, get involved in this, but there's also, there's maybe even bigger pitfalls there. But, but most important, what has to happen is, I, you know, I, when I use, you know, different, it, let, let me make an analogy, right? People didn't used to like to put their money in the bank because they thought the bankers might run away with it and they kept it under their mattress, which is not a good idea, right? You know, if your money is invested, you'll have more money and so on. And this, and this, is, they, this is the same thing, but with data, right? I, you know, I shouldn't refuse to put my money in the bank, but at the same time, right, what I want to do is want to make sure that I trust the organization, the company or, or other organization that is actually curating my data and running my model for me. Right. And is that you know, like, and Google wants to do that. Right. You know, as Sergey Brin, one of the founders said, like Google wants to be the third half of your brain. Right. Oof. And in a way, it's good to have more brain. But would you really trust a company that makes its life by selling you ads to be the third half of your brain? No. no right. So what you want is a company or an organization that whose fiduciary duty, whose entire business model is to do with your data and your model, what you would do yourself. But, you know, aren't we looking for, Pedro, aren't we looking for a George Washington? You know, he was called the greatest because if if he'd actually resign and not just appoint him king, if he only serves two terms, 
he'll be the greatest man to ever live because nobody gives that power up. Aren't we kind of looking for that kind of company that all of this power is at their fingertips, but they'll say, nope, I will close that door. Well, uh, not really, because I mean, I understand the analogy, but at the end of the day, why do banks not run away with your money? Right. Because in the long run, it's worse for them. So competition is very important. There's new startups coming up, you know, all the time, and in particular AI ones. And when there's a startup that does AI for me better than the Googles and the Facebooks, either the Googles and the Facebooks will change because they'll be forced to, or I will switch to using that company. But for that to happen, I need to know what it is that I want and, and, you know, and connect with the companies that will do it for me. So the market, right, this is the power of the market is that, you know, there's, there's a million solutions. And the, at the end of the day, the consumer wins because the, the company that serves you better will win out over the one that doesn't serve you better. Well, I, I love your, your optimism. Um, you wrote a, um, a great article, and I urge the audience to read it. It's at spectator.com. We must stop militant liberals from politicizing artificial intelligence. The, it, what's happening, everybody knows. I mean, everybody knows whether you realize it's being encoded right now or not, I don't know. Um, but you need to realize that. The biggest thing that you think that conservatives or, you know, people who are just not, you know, uh, on the on the right or on the left, what is it that they need to know? What's the thing that keeps you up at night? And you're like, if people would just wake up and learn this. Well, as I touched on in that article, the biggest thing that conservatives need to wake up to is that the left wing is already going all out to embed their values into the AI. There's teams at these tech companies uh, under, you know, under the name usually of AI ethics or responsible AI, whose mission is to embed the liberal, I'm not kidding, whose mission is to embed the liberal agenda into their products, into the things that they do. And then what, you know, you know when, when, when they choose uh, what ads to show you, when they choose uh, you know, what people to advertise to uh, and, and what things to advertise, there's all these decisions that are being made that used to be made by humans, right? And they were very ideologically charged. And now what they're doing is they're, ins- they're inserting them into the product. This is not a hypothetical. This is something that is happening today. And so what's going to happen to you as a conservative is that you're going to live in a, in a liberal world or, or, or an ultra-liberal world uh, without even realizing it. Because all these decisions that are being made for you on behalf, uh, that are being made on behalf of you by machines, they being made according to, they put the algorithms in there to enforce things like equity. My algorithm says that there will be the same number of men and women in this and the same number of, you know, different races and so on, for example, because I inserted into it. And, and conservatives need to wake up to this and to fight their side of the battle, which is, you know, one of two things. Certain things should be neutral, right? AI should be trying to present an accurate view of the world and not, distort it and, and make stuff up basically mm-hmm. to make it, you know, it's very Orwellian, right? One of the things that a, that a, a dictator, you know, a totalitarian regime needs to do is, is, you know, persuade people of its worldview. AI is a great tool for doing that. Yeah. Conservatives need to wake up to that. This is being done to you right now. And so on the one hand, they want to fight for neutrality of the technology. And on the other hand, they want to have, you know, AI systems that just follow their ideology. Just like the liberals do, there's no reason why it should all be in the hands of the liberals. 
Uh, Pedro Domingos, he is uh, a professor uh, emeritus at University of Washington, author of the book, The Master Algorithm. I know you've paid a heavy price for speaking up for uh, just a fair and clean algorithm, and I appreciate it. Your courage uh, uh, is inspiring. Thank you so much. Thank you. You bet. America's Darkest Hour called on 9-11, and we had some of the finest examples of patriotism and American courage and friendship we had ever seen. The Tunnel to Towers Foundation has been helping America's heroes ever since then. Members of the military and first responders that put their lives on the line for ours and our freedom every single day. And when one of them doesn't come home and young children are left behind, Tunnel to Towers pays the mortgage of the family's home. It's a way of saying thank you to the families um, and making sure that they are taken care of and they have safety and um, and they can keep their family together in the home that they they grew up in. Tunnel to Towers as a veteran homeless program as well, providing housing and service to homeless veterans all across America. But it all depends on you. Help America's heroes and their families. Will you donate $11 a month to TunnelToTowers.com? That's TunnelToTowers.com. Sorry, it's T2T.com. Jeez, .org. Could I get this right? Edit all this part out. We're live? T2T.org. That's T, the number 2T.org. This is the Glenn Beck Program. The AI revolution is here, and China is the model, and that was the theme of the last night's broadcast, and we had a lot of facts and a lot of videos, especially from China, very disturbing stuff of what they're doing in their classrooms, um, reading brainwaves. They could actually read images that people are thinking about now. It's crazy. You can get all of the information, all of those videos, all of the stories, all of the show prep for last night's show, all the footnotes. You can get it now just by signing up for our free email newsletter at glenbeck.com. You'll also every day get my stack of show prep, about 60 stories every day that you need to know about. glenbeck.com. All of it is absolutely free. The Go there Glenn now. The Glenn Beck Program.